Welcome back to the beginning of a three-part series of Making a Martini. So excited. Holy fuck. Uh, I am your host, Caleb Figgles. Holy shit, you guys. So I'm super excited to be doing this. I had a ton of fun doing the research on this one. This story is insane. Uh, So I knew back in season one that I wanted to do a serial killer murder podcast episode thing. And this story was just too big to limit to just one episode. So you're getting three. Uh, And I'm also super excited because one of my friends whom I haven't seen in a year is on this journey with me. (laughs) Love this journey for us. Uh, But Hannah Choi and I discuss the Pamela Smart case, which I'm willing to bet that the majority of my listeners have no clue who that is, uh, which is a big reason why I chose this story. But she was a pretty big deal in the very early 90s, as that's where the story takes place. When, I mean. Uh, So this story, it has everything. Murder, revenge, sex, insurance money, 80s rock. I mean, and that's all you need right? Uh, And this is part one where we give you guys some background on the players involved and how the scene was really set for one of the craziest murder stories that I have personally ever really heard about outside of like the famous serial killers. By the way, I just have to say in all the prep work that I did for trying to find a story to cover, I watched so many murder docs and serial killer things. And for someone who lives alone on the first floor of an apartment building, I feel really secure and don't think that I'm going to be murdered every night or anything. Literally the other night I heard something in my kitchen. So I got my box cutter that I have to sleep next to now because I'm so sure someone wants to break in and kill me. It was literally a mouse, which is also terrible, but uh, you know, like this is my life now. I suffer for my art and for all of you, my fans. So let's uh, get this going here. Uh, The cocktail of this episode is called the Panama Red, so named after Van Halen's song, Panama, which comes into play because our sweet married couple shared a love of rock and roll metal bands, and Van Halen was their favorite. And they named their dog Halen, and Pam Smart's license plate said Halen. So they really like Van Halen. Uh, If you're playing along at home, it is one and a quarter ounce of gold tequila, three quarters of an ounce of triple sec, two dashes of sweet and sours mix, and two dashes of grenadine. Let's give this a try here. (laughs) Okay, I won't lie to you. This drink isn't great. (laughs) I'm not happy. Uh, But here we are. So let's get started. This is Hannah Choi and the Pam Smart Case. Hey, Hannah, how are you? I'm so great. How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. Fan-fucking-tastic. How's California? <laughs> oh, California is great. Actually, today, the weather was wonderful. Took a nice mm. little stroll to 7-Eleven. <laughs> yeah. I got myself a bag of Gardettos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our weather was really good, too. It uh, <laughs> snowed and rained today, so uh, uh, mm. so that's cute. Um, yeah <laughs> thanks for joining the making a martini podcast group of oh. special guests thank you for having me it's an honor long time well, listener be. yeah first time caller 
and I have the best. Do you advice. hate me already? Do you need to like dismiss me or something? <laughs> what if this was the shortest episode ever? And I was like, oh, yeah. you know what? You know what? And audience, this is our time. Uh, and uh, this is all the time we have for today. Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of our time here today, mm-hmm. that's called a segue, by the way. Um. Pretty good. Uh, We're here to talk about a a pretty um, major true crime story. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Pamela Smart story, which is a big deal. Um, And uh, so for people listening, um, Hannah, who is just such such a dear friend, uh, (laughs) we work together at a little tech company called Apple. You might have heard of it. Just a wee little one. Just a small, small one, small, uh, barely on the map. Um, hmm. For like what? Four years? Three years? Three oh, years? No, I I don't even. I don't know. In total years, I haven't even worked there for three and a half. So, mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> year and a half, two years? Uh, I don't know. Time blurs together. Yeah. So what is either time? way, either yeah. way, we've worked together. Um, it felt like six let's put it that it way it felt like 23 mm-hmm. and uh and uh you now live in california like a yes fucking rock star like, yeah <sighs> real maiden of metal a real maiden of metal if you mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> just foreshadowing a little bit <laughs> just oh my god write that down you guys write it down yes. uh, you all need to take notes as we talk about this because this oh, absolutely. story is fucking nuts um but the the reason that i wanted hannah to be on this episode was because um i mean i think truly you were the one who actually got me to start listening to true crime mm, true crime podcasts because you introduced me to uh making a mark no that's my podcast you introduced (laughs) me to um uh my favorite murder yes yes that's true yes um between you and inga the two of you yeah yeah, and actually, I, I would I would give credit to Inga if anything because um, I think it's her. It was Inga and um, Boozle that kind of got me into it as well. Yeah. Um, so why don't we just chalk it up to Inga? We'll put, yeah. like we'll we'll give her all the praise. Um, yeah. As well as so, ourselves. Yes, as Pat in our our backs for that. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think we actually, the three of us and Inga's friend went to a show. Um, mm-hmm. But the way that I actually got introduced is because one of their podcast episodes was playing in at work. And yeah. I think it was just randomly overhearing that some person was being bludgeoned to death with some type of tool. And I think I was just staring at a schedule or something. And I was like, what are you guys listening to? And then it kind of triggered my curiosity from yeah. there. Honestly, I think that's how it happened. Um, yeah. So thank you, Inga. Thank you, Ryan, for getting me into Bludgeon's deaths. It's been great. It's Oops. been a journey. It's been it's been real. It's been fun. And it's been mm-hmm. real fun. Um, yeah, well, yeah. So we went to a live recording of making jesus uh my favorite murder yes um, just is really cool. just keep name dropping your own podcast let's I will <laughs> dub dub in the other one later oh no uh yeah but uh yeah that was fun 
It was a good time. Um, yeah. And and have you ventured out into any other true crime podcasts? I mean, obviously, like like was your first uh, sort of true crime podcast my favorite murder? And that's how you sort um, of went down a I rabbit hole. In a comedic sense, yes. I think everything else I had to listen to was very journalistic, yeah. which is also a really really great listen. Um, but I think for my favorite murder, that was kind of the first way to listen to it or hear those types of stories in that type of way. Um, so definitely that maybe triggered, um, you know, that curiosity in, in being able to listen to those types of stories in a very lighthearted way, which was very different from any other that is like way the really, of yeah, yeah, that's the really weird thing is that like listening. So the only other one that I've ever really gotten like super into was a podcast called uh, Martinis and Murder, mm-hmm. which is actually it's also really good. Before I even knew about it was where I first heard about the Pamela Smart story. Um, Cause it's like their episode, like 16 or something out of four seasons worth of episodes. Um, and there, there's something to be said about like the comedic way and the sort of easy storytelling way that people can talk about like Ted Bundy or, you know, the, the night stalker or uh, mm-hmm. something along those lines that like, where you can tell these like really, really horrible stories um, and do it with comedy. Mm-hmm. It's very entertaining. It's very funny. Oh, and so absolutely. I think that's really what kind of, you know, hooked me. Um, and ultimately why I wanted to, I decided to do uh, a, a, a little series um, with the, with the Pamela Smart story. Um, speaking of Pamela Smart, that's another segue. Um, I also just have to say so, well that. Well done. Well done. <laughs> thank you. I knew that I wanted to do a true crime episode series type thing. And mm-hmm. in the process of trying to find one, um, I mean, I really like, I looked at so many, I went through like so many like documentaries and was like Googling so much. And, um, I, I live alone and I live on the first floor of an apartment building. And for like about a month or so, I have just been completely paranoid that, <laughs> s- <laughs> that someone was going to break in and kill me because it seems so easy on all the documentaries. It seems really easy to break in and kill someone. Right, right. And I think it's, it's kind of crazy, because you never think there's like a part of it where it's like, you never think this will happen to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a level of listening to some of these stories or or hearing about them or learning about them that you're like, my God, these are the the most extreme scenarios. And they actually happen in real life. Um, So there, there is like a a fascination so to speak because it's like this is a train wreck that people have actually lived lived yeah and you just can't look right. away or can't yeah yeah not listen to it i guess so yeah. i was watching the um i'll be gone in the dark documentary on hbo max which mm-hmm. is about the ears killer or the original night stalker he had a couple different names um and as I was watching it and I was like, I was like, maybe I could do my episode on this. Every time I went to bed, I was like, well, I'm probably going to die tonight. So um, yeah. it's going <laughs> to come here. to fruition. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, uh, but, but ultimately I landed on the Pamela smart story. 
um, which itself, uh, I mean, I was, I was one year old. I was a one year old when the trial was happening. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't even born when the actual crime happened. Um, but it, it, the the story itself is actually pretty historic. Um, it's really one of the first uh, of its kind once we start getting into like the trial and and stuff like that. I'm sure it's not the first of its kind, but um, in that in the, in the sense of the trial and everything. Um, but it was a big deal. It was a it was a big damn deal. And I knew about I knew about this story so much earlier on than I actually thought because I saw the movie to die for, which we'll talk about later a long time ago. Like my dad introduced me to the movie. So I've seen the movie. I had seen the movie way before I knew it was like based on a true story. um, (laughs) Roughly uh, pretty closely (laughs) um, or anything along those lines. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of a cool realization for me when I was doing like my research for it and everything. But uh but yeah, let's just sort of dive in here if you're ready. Let's do it. I have a little sip of my sip of my Panama red. Yikes. Yep. Um, so I already forget how to say her maiden name, and it's the second word on my page. Wojas. Wojas, Wojas. 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 I I've just like called her Pamela Smart for so long that like yes. I don't quite remember how to say her maiden name because in anything I watched, it was a very small part of it. But anyway, yeah. um so this is sort of uh we're gonna get into some background and we're gonna sort of take you through the timeline of events up until the end of the trial, and that's sort of how this is gonna go. Um but uh I'll sort of just kick us off here and yell at me and flip me off when you want to say something. Mm -hmm, Sure. I'll take the latter. I can do that. I can do that. Um, So Pamela uh, grew up in Miami, Florida, and then her and her family moved to New Hampshire when she was in middle school. She was the second of three children and her father, whom she was very close to was a pilot And her mother was a homemaker uh, and a part-time legal secretary. And Pamela, like throughout all aspects of school, uh, she was sort of your stereotypical like 80s movie girl character. She was a cheerleader. She was a popular girl. Uh, You know, just like cool. Like everyone knew her. She was a fun person and she was described as scholastically brilliant. Which at the time, the being the, you know, cheerleader, popular girl, like that type of thing was very in very like, yeah, you have to be this type of way. Yes. Right. I mean, like if you like think about like the movies that came out, like around this time, you know, like Breakfast Club, like she would have been the Molly mm-hmm. Ringwald, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, her aspiration growing up was to be a news broadcast journalist. She wanted to be the next Barbara Walters, which who the fuck didn't? Barbara. 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 And this is 2020. Um, that was my really good Barbara Walters impression. Yes, very. I mm-hmm. liked it. Uh, so she graduates high school. She moves back to Florida. 
um, and attended Florida State for communications. <laughs> cool. I feel like communications <laughs> Which, is like the what is that even? Uh, what does that even mean? What do you do? What do you study? So me, Caleb Figgles, who went to a state college, I went to mm-hmm. Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Uh, we had a communications department and it covered like journalism. It covered, uh, God, like what the fuck else? Um, like anything using AV equipment, uh, movie making, filming, radio. Like it, it, it was one building that handled all of it. And like, you know, it was, I took one class there. It was like one of those like intro to whatever kind of classes, Um, but whatever. But so it's very broad, especially if you're going to a state school, it's a very broad topic. So, I I mean, there's really nothing about like what, if she like specialized in something, but her major when she graduated was communications. All right. Um, And so in college, she was also same kind of thing, popular cheerleader, and she worked like nonstop while she was taking class. Uh, and she worked at a college radio station where she ran like a regular normal college program. And then, as mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, she had another show called Metal Madness. <laughs> Metal Madness. <laughs> and her uh, <laughs> alias on that show, the host name was Maiden of Metal. <laughs> so... From here on out, that that is henceforth. That is what I will be known as. Referring to her. Oh, you, you. Me, yes, me. Yeah, mm-hmm. made in a metal. I can do that. I don't <laughs> listen to metal music, so well, no. And I also find it funny that they're like <laughs> metal madness. Like she was into like heavy metal, and then they like list the bands that she likes, and it was like Motley Crue and Van Halen. Yeah, they are metal bands, but she was just like a general fan of eighties rock. And, and also, everyone was listening to that. Yeah, it was the 80s. at that time. That's not <laughs> that's not unusual. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the commentary was like, she had a wild side. She listened to, to metal music. Like, it's like, okay, everybody, it can calm down. It's, yeah, it's yeah. all right. <laughs> I remember like them when they were doing like the uh, the reenactment stuff. Like they showed like her in her bedroom, and she had like a journey poster up, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Which I'm all for. And like, that's, that's, my, I mean, that <laughs> made me into journey music right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was, that, that was, that was sort of the beauty of this college radio program was that it combined her two loves of 80s rock mm-hmm. uh, and her, you know, career aspirations. So she's in college. In 1986, she went back for Christmas break. She went back to New Hampshire and was at a New Year's Eve party where she met a man, Gregory Smart. Gregory with two G's as well as Greg with two G's. It's so it's Greg. This is how you know it's Greg. Again. Greg is an official Greg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Greg was described as the all American boy. So, I mean, this is literally like <laughs> just a, you know, city boy born and raised in South Detroit, except <laughs> South New Hampshire. <laughs> you know, it's a journey song. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Greg also loved 80s music and he was a rocker himself. Like he had the long, fluffy, like feathered hair and everything. And so she meets this guy. They bond over their love of rock and quote unquote heavy metal. They both loved Van Halen. They loved Motley Crue. (laughs) Heavy metal. (laughs) And, um, and ironically we will get into this later, but uh, 
they had a love for the song Hot for Teacher from Van Halen. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, and, and like all their friends, like, so their friends were just like, this is a match made in heaven. It was an instant attraction. The like, two peas love in a pod. Sight. Yeah, exactly. You By the way, I think, say- I feel like the rest of this, I need to, I need to comment everything in like a, like a Jersey accent. Is that yeah. wrong? No, I oh, would actually okay. encourage it. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. You're so supported. <laughs> You're so supported. That's I just great. really want to make your dreams come true. <laughs> oh, great, uh, great, great. <laughs> so, uh, so they stay in touch and things escalate really quickly. Greg leaves New Hampshire and moves to Florida to be with Pam. Not to go to college, <laughs> just to move down there to be with Pam. Just to touch her. Just to like, just you to know, be with her. Diddle her bits. Uh, and so okay so that was 86 right so on may 7th of 1989 the two of them got married i'm sure other things happened in between then but nothing all that exciting or pertinent to the story really and at this point do we know how old they are so pam got married at 21 greg got married at 24 jesus okay so young young as fuck like if i think about my own life like where i was at 21 or at 24 (laughs) Um, I would rather be dead than be married. Either <laughs> mm-hmm, one of those mm-hmm, ages. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, would rather. Yeah. Yeah. Would rather. Would prefer if it yeah. was possible. Um, people describe their wedding as beautiful. Pam's radiant, glowing. People, the happiest couple. And they move back to Derry, New Hampshire, which um uh, is not the town where it took place. Like the Stephen King story, it, which is what I thought it was <laughs> when I was first reading this. And I was like, oh my God, this happened in the same town as the evil clown. That's not, that was uh, Derry. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. Like, did, anyone, <laughs> oh did anyone look into this? Did anyone look into the clown? <laughs> Where is Tim Curry? Or what's his face? The other one. <laughs> the other fucking crazy kid. Uh, but yeah, no, it's Derry, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me i just like swallowed snot <laughs> that is it's totally normal it's fine it bodily functions yeah i think it's this drink to be honest okay. uh, it's revolting it's pink it's pink yes it's very pink <laughs> it's not a cosmo it tastes nothing like it uh but anyway greg uh takes a job at the um same insurance company that his father worked at uh, which is very unrock and roll to Pam. Mm. So suddenly, yeah, is not this like cool wild wild guy that he that she she wanted. Yeah, like not the guy <laughs> she married, and yeah. then okay. and then Hannah, the son of a bitch, cuts his hair. What that fucker? Oh, I'm allowed to say that. Oh yeah, you can say whatever you want. Okay, great. I'm trying really hard not to say cunt this episode, but I keep saying it in every episode, and I just said it. I Uh, mean, but I won't say you have to have your your you know personality. Um, (laughs) personality, or is it like um your trademark Mm -hmm. key phrases? You know, um, just gotta be yourself, Caleb. Just trying to be me, and like if Mm -hmm. I'm if I'm not exactly, then like, then who are you really? Then who am I? Exactly. Nobody. Nobody. So um, the cunt cuts his hair. Yeah, the cunt cuts his hair. And it's a huge God. deal. It's a big fucking deal. 
right? It is a big fucking deal. So Pam's it's not like, the yeah, Pam's like, who the fuck are you? Even if you yeah. don't have your hair, then you don't have anything. Right. Um, and she said he was unrecognizable when he cut his hair. Mm-hmm. But okay, and so here's the thing. So in Greg's defense, this is what I will say. Um, is that I'm like, okay, he's 24 years old, right? So if I look back at myself at 24, I was trying to find a long, like steady job. I was like, oh my God, my student loans are calling me. I mean, he didn't go to college, but I'm thinking about myself um, as per usual. Um, And like, he's just trying to be an adult. Like he's, he went to work for an insurance company. Right. Newly married. Yeah, newly married. He wants to take care of his family. wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yes. Isn't working in insurance the most glamorous thing in the world? No, it might be the yes. most. It is. It is. It is. I meant. That's what I meant. This is yes. What I meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but like, who's gonna want to buy insurance from a guy with like this? And like, if you look at pictures of him, his hair wasn't even like eighty. It was like. Uh, God, I can't. I'm like trying to think. Like Tommy Pickles' mom's hair. It was like triangle. Tommy. Okay. <laughs> like it was huge. Like it was like I'm picturing more than it. just like I see it now. feathered rock hair. You know what I mean? Like okay. it, was, it was big. But who's gonna want to buy insurance from that guy? Nobody. So he he he's like he's just he's just trying to be an adult. He's growing up and he's good at what he does, right? Mm-hmm. So he starts working more and more, and uh then he starts working a little bit like later nights, going door to door to sell insurance, and this causes an issue. Which I understand, like, you know, you want, as a newly married couple, less than a year, you would obviously want to still be in that sort of, like, honeymoon phase of, like, being together, but he's now going to work more and more and more. But at the same time, double-edged sword, he's doing really well, okay? And so, uh, throughout all of that, at some point, and I don't remember when this happens exactly, and I didn't actually see like a date, but Pam gets a job as a uh, media liaison to high schools in the area. And her office was at Winnicunit. You can do it. <laughs> Winnicunit? Does that sound right? They uh-huh. said it. They Winni- said it. Winnicunit? Some- Winnicunit. That sounds good. I think Crushed that sounds it. better. Winnicunit. Winnicunit. They said it so many times. And I was like, maybe I should mm-hmm. write this out phonetically, but I fucking didn't. Winnicanet High School. Uh, that's like where her main office was. And her job was essentially to do like press releases, short videos uh, for the schools and like teaching students how to use AV equipment. Also, I think everyone should know that we, we are experts in this. Yeah. Pronunciations. Yeah. Remembering dates, remembering yeah. facts. Right. Uh, like everything um, you hear is like 100% we, the truth. Mm-hmm. Yes. We know our shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get our shit right. <laughs> Winnicanet. Pamela Wojas. No idea. Wojas? Wojas. 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 And Pamela is also the director of a program at school called Project Self-Esteem, which sounds awesome. God, it sounds... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like something I'd love to be a part of. Uh which comes up later. So remember that, that name project self-esteem. Um, so Greg one night tells Pam that he has had an affair and uh, this devastates Pam as it, as it should. 
Like, I mean, sure. Be I'd be, yeah, I'd be, I'd be obsessed. Less than a year and someone has an affair. Just a little bit. Yeah. Upset. Uh, so she then questions everything about herself, about her marriage. Um, and this drives like an even bigger riff in between the, in between their marriage. Um, and uh, so in that same respect, then Pam starts hanging like and spending more time with um, <laughs> high school students, which who doesn't want to hang out with a high school student? I mean, I personally don't. Wow. I can see why one would. Absolutely. Oh, oh well, so I can totally understand. I cannot. <laughs> no, I think I could. I can totally I, but you know what? Like, she's, so, like at this point, she's twenty-one, right? So, like her oldest high school student is eighteen. That's three years. <laughs> I count it on my fingers: eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Three years. That's Emotionally, it's two months. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or for the right <laughs> yeah. person, years, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. four years, to be exact. Um, so anyway, things aren't things aren't great, but things aren't terrible, but they're not great. Uh, so on May first, nineteen ninety, one week before their one year anniversary, Gregory Smart is found murdered in their home by Pam. And their house had been ransacked, and it looks like uh, it, it looks essentially on the surface like a burglary gone wrong. And the cause of death was a gunshot wound to the head with a 38 caliber pistol, uh, and he was murdered execution style at his front door. Um, and so, what ultimately happened was Pam walks in, sees him, and then runs out into the street screaming. And the neighbors are the one who are the ones who end up calling the police. So literally not even a year. Sorry, out of curiosity. I'm, yes. I'm not a big 911 uh like sorry, I'm not the, I'm not really the type of person who likes to listen to those 911 calls, but I'm kind of curious what that sounded like as the neighbor being like um this bitch is running around <laughs> the street hysterical. I have no idea what's going on. Can you well, please Yeah, so like in the in the little bit that I found out about this is that her neighbors call and they're like, she like passed out at a neighbor's, I guess, from like hysteria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the neighbors are like, we don't even know what's happening. All we know is that she came in screaming and she's passed out. So like neighbors didn't even know that anything was wrong. They just knew mm-hmm. like wrong with Greg. Like they didn't know there, that he had been murdered. They were like, this woman's insane. Can someone please? It's even better out? as the neighbor like. It's being like, what shit, just get her out of my house. Yeah. Which yeah. they they lived in like these condo type things, like these townhomes, and so like I've been to townhome areas. <laughs> yeah, her, and townhomes. Uh, heard of them? Yeah, I've heard of them. Definitely like seen <laughs> them on a map, and mm-hmm. uh, they're they're pretty close together, if not connected. So like yeah. the fact that um like they would share at least one wall type of yeah, thing. Yeah, the fact that that yeah. Greg was shot um and Pam's still the one that discovered it like no one heard a gunshot. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And like I don't know, I don't know what a that's never really addressed. Um I don't know what a 38 caliber gun sounds like and maybe it's maybe it's a quiet gun. 
Uh, guns to me in general seem pretty loud, but mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's a maybe it's a quiet gun. Maybe it's like a like a squeaky gun. Yeah, well, and it was execution sauce. It was like right up against him, but at the same time, it's still has to be. It's gonna be loud enough. People have got to hear it, especially if it's right right at the front door too. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, motherfuckers dead. It's fine. We're experts. It's we. It's fine. We don't. (laughs) Yeah. We we might solve this crime Mm -hmm. before we even finish it tonight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So. there, there were at the time a lot of theories surrounding his death. Um, like they thought maybe it was gambling, which was disproven. Uh, they thought maybe it was a drug deal gone wrong, but everything that police look into was just sort of like a dead end. And so the only thing they really have to go off of is um, what is about to happen here. So uh, a friend of Pam's calls the detective that was in charge and keep in mind, this is a small town. So like this murder is a big, big fucking deal because this mm. doesn't, this kind of thing doesn't happen. So that's why a friend of Pam's can call the detective and be like, Hey, uh, but she says, why haven't you talked to Pam yet? She really wants to talk to you. And so they'd say, okay, we'll tell her to come in. So Pam goes and talks to the police and tells them like, Hey, if, if, if I were the cops, <laughs> sorry, I keep interrupting. If I was no, the cop, no. you'd be like, bitch, wait your turn. Like, <laughs> we're not ready for you. We're yet. not ready for you yet. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck up. So, but, <laughs> but she goes to them and she's like, this isn't gambling. This isn't drugs. This is definitely a burglary gone wrong. And I'm going to use that phrase burglary gone wrong a lot because I don't know what she really said, but that's just the general idea. She didn't right. always say it was a burglary gone wrong. That sounds very professional. But maybe she did. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but the, the the big issue with that is that, um, well, the police don't believe it because at the scene of the crime, Greg's wallet's there with the money and the credit cards in it, and he hmm. still has his wedding ring. So if it was a burglary, why wouldn't the burglars, burglars? Yeah. Burglars. burglars. And the robbers. Yeah. The robbers. The bad guys. Why wouldn't the, the bad, bad guys, guys. Uh, take those the, things? The thieves? Yeah. Um, and also remember the fact that he still has his wedding ring on because that also comes in later. So intrigue, whatever the cops still don't have anything. They're like, what the fuck? So Pam goes to this guy, Bill Spencer, who is an investigative reporter for a local network there in New Hampshire. And he is the guy that really kind of broke every story on this case, like because, because of this, because she went to him first at the very beginning, he sort of involved the whole way through and really sort Mm -hmm. of um, helps solve a lot of what happens. But anyway, she goes to him and she tells him the same thing, that it's burglary, a burglary gone wrong. And so Bill writes a small story about this. Um, about like their meeting and whatever, but his network head is like, we need more. This is a big fucking deal. Like some guy has been shot dead in his home in our tiny little Hamlet, New Hampshire. So fucking get more. Uh, So after that, like initial interview with, with Bill, Pam's like, Oh, that was great. That felt good. (laughs) Um, And she requests to do another one. And this is where things start to get a little weird because mm-hmm. uh, according to him anyway, 
because when he gets there and he's talking to Pam, they're sort of walking through the house and she says, well, since it's the one year anniversary of my marriage with Greg, wouldn't it be really powerful if I took the top of my wedding cake out of the freezer and put it down and we like zoom in on it. And he's That's- like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's weird. Yeah. He's like, she's, She's mm-hmm. producing. She's producing this segment right now as the right. interviewee. Um, she's not playing the victim. She, she's she's playing the producer. Yeah, like she's like, well, I'm on camera. Um, and wasn't there a comment made that like she was super dolled up? Like she just doesn't seem distraught. Mm-hmm. She's just very like confident in her appearance yes uh and yeah we'll crazy. talk about a little bit about the hulu i don't know where you watched it i guess it's on actually a lot of things i don't know who made the documentary but i watched yeah. it on hulu i did uh, watch it on hulu as well and um they showed so much like footage of her walking out of the church behind the casket i think like that was in almost every episode mm-hmm. and in every episode she's walking out and she's literally just like i mean she doesn't look good but she doesn't look like a, a, she doesn't look she doesn't look a wreck. She doesn't look like for all like everyone was like she was sobbing. She could barely walk. She was crying on the casket. And I'm like, I see her sister and her mother linked like Pam's in the middle and her sister and her mother on the other side. And they're sobbing with their heads on her, Pam's shoulder and Pam's just walking with them. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, perception of Pam really does come into play a little bit later as well. Um, but, uh, y- y- yeah, like she's not, um, she's not acting like her husband died a week ago. I think is a good way to, yes. to your point. Um, mm-hmm. Nor does she <laughs> act like that when she starts going to all of the other uh, news media outlets um and asking them for interviews because the weird it, it, it's 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 a widow that's giving stories about how she's going to move on and how she's going to live her life now as if he were still here and what people would normally expect to see at this point in time would be like if anyone has any information please reach out here's a reward there's none of that we get nothing right there's yeah, no like, yeah initially it seemed like want to clear his name let's put attention to this because it's still not solved that type of thing but it was more about spotlight on her i am this widow and i this is how this is my story of how i'm going to move on yeah yeah it's it's like there's this this sort of skipping over we don't like she doesn't want to know who did it mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah um and uh oh sorry let me just find my place anyway so the whole thing is just thank you i'm a professional Mm -hmm. uh and so after that interview okay with with bill the second time before she starts going to all the other uh news outlets the cops are like can you please stop doing interviews (laughs) (laughs) can you please just not (laughs) Uh, so she does anyway and the reason being is that in these interviews, she's giving out bits of information to the press that the cops don't want released yet while the investigation is going on, which mm-hmm. makes sense. 
because there's some things you just don't want people. That's like how you can catch a murderer is by like right. things being withheld from the press. Exactly. So uh, do you think that that's like just her way of uh, um, showing people in general that like she she's just in the know of like, this is how closely I'm working with the police and like, that's what she they trust me so you yeah. you should trust me yeah okay. exactly i think that's 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 like the story that she gives off um in that she's like look like we are all working together but are they um <laughs> but so, are they? but are they but after so after that <laughs> second interview with, with bill when they're like can you please stop and she's like well fuck you no um the cops sort of shut her out and they're like we're not talking to you anymore because yeah. you're just going to take what we tell you and go tell the world right um and also in every interview she's just like it's a burglary gone wrong uh so on may 14th of 1990 so this is two weeks after greg's murder a call comes into the police station anonymously and she says that she works at an italian restaurant and that a 15 year old co-worker that she works with which is what a coworker is, Caleb. Come on. Uh, <laughs> says that she knows the wife of the man that was murdered and that the wife had orchestrated the entire death. And <gasps> oh my God, I know. Oh my God. Next time on Making a Martini. Uh,. So, so Cecilia was identified as, as being that connection um, of knowing about um, knowing Pam and potentially knowing that there was some sort of plan associated with the killing of her husband. Yeah. And so the police questioned Cecilia and she denies just everything, absolutely everything associated with it. She does kind of let it slip, though, which is kind of odd that this would be the one thing that she was at Pam's house about a week before the murder actually occurred. In, in like Ralphie's thing he's like yeah they were like it was for $5,000 and then the boys are like yeah Pam said she'd give us $500 <laughs> like either way that's not a lot of money to get for killing someone no 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 on that day June 10th 1990 a man named Vance Latimy comes into the Seabrook police station and wants to talk to the detectives involving the smart case and he says that a friend of his son's, Ralph Welsh, came to him and said that I think your gun was used to kill this man, Greg Smart. And one of the biggest reasons why was because okay. the biggest twist of this whole case was that Pam and Billy Flynn were. Oh my God, what were they? Well, you'll just have to tune into the next episode to find out. This has been Making a Martini Up, Dry, and Straight to the Point. Cheers. <laughs>